we, we are really continuing from last week. So last week we looked at Jesus' words in Revelation chapter 2, where uh, he challenged the believers at Ephesus that even though he loved their passion for the truth, he loved their faithfulness to the gospel, he loved their stand against false teaching, and he genuinely loved those things. In fact, as he complimented them or praised them or, or honored them, it's also worth recognizing he put that honor into scripture so that his honor toward them has lasted for over 2,000 years or almost 2,000 years. And that recognition that actually his honor for those faithful actions and attitudes in the believers at Ephesus, his honor for those choices will last for eternity. But at the same time, we still see in those words that Jesus said, but there's something I want you to notice, that while you're being faithful in all those ways, you've just slipped away from the intimacy of choosing that I am your first love. And so we're continuing that challenge and that truth today as, as we look together. Uh, let's go to John chapter 14. Let's start at verse 15. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live you will live also. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. And drop down to verse 25. Actually, 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So that here in, in these verses, John 14, 15 through 26, uh, we have a follow-up to the Revelation 2. So we talked about last week, first things first, of making Jesus our first love. And now Jesus is saying, if you love me, obey me. Pretty simple concept. Uh, I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard that. And, and yet, Again, that Jesus is, is trying to get our attention, trying to get my attention, get your attention, so that our challenge is to keep growing in what the truth that he's speaking, how it applies to our life, how it challenges our life, how, how it provokes us to keep moving forward in some very real, genuine choices and ways, and to leave some things behind and pick other things up and move forward with them, that there's, there's activity that flows from this. And in fact, uh, now... Turn back to John chapter 10. Verse 
And we have these words that uh, we're going to try to gather a few things out of what flows from this. In John chapter 10, starting in verse 7, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. And if you'll drop down to 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my leaf, my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. So at this point, Jesus was still preaching the gospel only to Jews. And, and then obviously uh, his apostles and Paul in particular would then go on to take this truth to the Gentile world. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. So again, Jesus was already predicting this was not going to be some future where there were two churches, where there was a Jewish church and, and they were like the inner circle. And then there was sort of a, a second class church of people who were Gentiles, but hadn't quite made it into being full Jews. And he was saying there will be one flock, one shepherd, and it will now be defined, in fact, by the shepherd. And Jews would either decide that he was their shepherd or they would be out. And Gentiles would decide that he was their shepherd or they would be out. There was no, there was going to be no other claim. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from the father. And drop over to verse 25. I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These testify of me. But you do not believe me because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And out of this passage, well, I shouldn't skip that next verse. Uh, and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand, and my Father who's given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. I and the Father are one. And out of this passage, Jesus is now saying, if I'm the shepherd, and I have true sheep, And he gives us some criteria for these true sheep. These true sheep, they know me. I know them. But then he goes on and say, they hear my voice. And they follow me. So again, Jesus is putting some real practical things. When he said, if you love me, keep my commandments, he's expanding on that idea. That if we are the true sheep of Jesus, this gets to be a growing attitude, and it gets to, to percolate down into the details of what God speaks to me in Scripture and what he speaks to you in Scripture, 
that, that we get to agree with God, Father, I, I want to be true sheep to your son, Jesus. So I want to keep getting to know him deeper because everything, you guys know this, everything I'm challenged with in scripture is about growth. I will not be finished on the planet, but I do get to keep having an attitude that I am committed to growth in this. And so even in this, that you and I would decide, I love knowing Jesus. And, and I genuinely hope that that's already part of your thinking. I love knowing Jesus. I love trusting that he knows me, but I'm committed to know him deeper. I love hearing his voice, but I'm committed to hearing it better. I love following him, but I'm committed to follow him stronger. I'm committed to follow him with greater passion and love. I'm committed that this knowing and hearing and following is gonna be a continuing process of growth in the years ahead. And that was, that was John 10. And now we're gonna to go to John 8 and I jumped ahead of myself. First, let's go to Luke 6. And this passage reflects um, what Jared read for us a few minutes ago out of Matthew 7, where Jesus compares good fruit out of good trees and bad fruit out of bad trees and says it can't happen either way. We cannot be nourishing something destructive in ourselves and then produce something productive. Whatever we're nourishing in our hearts is what will come out and be the, the fruit of our lives. But drop down to verse 40, 46, which again reflects Matthew 7. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock, and when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. And the obvious contrast in the next verse is the man who did not build on coming to Jesus, hearing him, and then acting on it. So again, it's, it's very similar to this. Now he's saying, come, hear, act. But what he says out of this passage is, is the wise man who does this, their life will stand strong against every onslaught of the enemy. And we are living in bizarre times. I think a couple of you have picked up on that. <laughs> we are living in bizarre times. We are living in strange times where a lot of things, things that in fact have lasted and been solid for generations, are shaken. And we get to grieve over that. We get to recognize that prophecy was already in place, telling us that the world would head toward evil. This is not about politics. We better remember that. This is not about politics. This is about the battle between Jesus Christ and those he loves and the enemy who not only hates Jesus, hates the Father, hates the Spirit, hates those he loves, literally against an enemy that hates the whole world. 
So we have a God who loves the whole world and an enemy who hates the whole world. And scripture already prophesied for us, gave us warning. This, this battle stretched across eons will one day come to a very visible head. Evil will become more obvious and more prominent and more bold. False teaching will become more prominent, more acceptable. People will love what is foolish. People will admire what is destructive and hateful. And my people will stand strong. And that gets to be part of our wisdom. Jesus isn't just saying, well, you know, be a good Christian, read the Bible, uh, try to be nice. He's saying, I'm preparing you for the most powerful battle in human history so that you stand strong. I'm preparing you for joy. I'm preparing you for peace of mind. I'm preparing you for truth against every lie. And that the wise man, woman, and child who comes and hears and acts on what I say can predict that they will stand strong. Now, it's worth recognizing when, when we predict this, stand strong, how many people here would predict that you personally are strong enough to stand against persecution? I wouldn't. But some of you might, I don't know. But I wouldn't. But I, I hope that I'm wise enough to recognize this. But if I'm walking in union with Jesus Christ, he's ready for that moment. And that I will stand strong. You will stand strong. Because you're walking with him. And you're coming to him. And you're listening to him. And you're acting on the things he tells you. In your finances, in your marriage, in your relationships, with your friends, with your enemies, with your work, with, with every challenge, with disease and, and wealth and health, with everything that you and I are learning this, that I want to come to you, I want to hear what you're saying, and then I want to act on it. And Jesus has given the contrast here. He says the foolish man is the one who says, I heard it, but I'm not acting. Or I don't want to hear it. Or I refuse to come to you. At every at any point, someone can fail to end up in the place where Jesus' promise of standing strong would be effective. I have to come to him. I have to be willing to hear. And then I have to act. And and we will continue to look at some of the outgrowth of that. Okay, now though, the John chapter 8. Let's start at verse 28, John 8, 28. I think I referenced uh, verse 29 last week, but we're going to read a little further. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am He, meaning the prophesied one. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. He who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. And, and I love that. that here's, here's something that we get to recognize. Jesus was telling the truth about himself. And the Holy Spirit worked through that so that many people came to believe in him. 
And then Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We're going to keep going, but I want to pause for a second. Because he said, continue in my word to be true disciples. And we won't go there. Uh, right now, but in Luke, Jesus tells a parable of, of seed being planted. And he talks about seed being planted, but it's planted in shallow soil or, or, or weedy soil. There's a, a variety of, of soils and conditions in which, even though seed lands and germinates, it never comes to fruition. And he's talking about those whose heart is joyful at the beginning. They heard the gospel. Their heart is joyful. There's a human acceptance of the truth. But it never takes root. And you and I have known people, and I trust that none of us are those people, but you and I have known people that seem to get genuinely accepting of Jesus Christ, seem to even maybe get excited about Jesus Christ and about the Word. And at some point in their life, they decide it's not worth it. And frequently this comes to mind, the number of young people. Uh, so Aaron, Aaron was good through the years, basically, of saying, you know, here's my friend. I'm bringing him into the circle. You know, let's teach or disciple or let's do something with this friend. And we saw many of her friends pursue what it seemed to be a genuine, genuine love for God, love and faith in Jesus Christ, and a pursuit of the gospel. And some of those friends have fallen away through the years to where some of them today would say, I am absolutely not a Christian. Some of them are violently, passionately opposed to Christianity. And some have been honest enough to say, I decided, I can think of at least one young man that said this, I've decided that I'm tired of fighting temptation and sin. I'm just going to give in to it. So if Jesus is against this stuff and I like it and I'm going to keep doing this, I don't need Jesus anymore. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. And so we get to learn wisdom from that and recognition, not just, well, of course I would never say that, but I want to make sure I'm going in the opposite direction that, I, that I'm actually choosing. Father, whatever we have to oppose in me, whatever we have to address and overcome in me, whatever attitudes, whatever habits, whatever it takes, I want to be someone who continues as a true disciple. I don't hit a snag and I go, okay, now it's not worth it. And for some people, it's sin and temptation. For some people through the years, you've probably known some of these, it's suffering. I've, been, I've had people who told me, you know, if Jesus expects me to put up with more of this, who needs it? I'm out of here. I thought he was going to fix this. I thought he was going to rescue me from this. And so, in spite of Jesus' words, that in this world, we will have suffering and tribulation, persecution and heartache and loss. Scripture is so clear about the fact that if we're actually following God, those things are a certainty. And yet where some who at first seem to come here and act, Hit enough suffering for them to say, this is no longer worth it. I repudiate this in amount. 
And so Jesus is giving a real warning. This was not just uh, a rhetorical what if. That Jesus was saying, you decide that you're going to be one of those disciples that continues in the world, continues in the word, no matter what suffering you face, no matter what temptation you face, no matter how good the world looks to you, that you keep opposing that. That no matter what your friends say, no matter how uncool Christianity might be to them, that you decide this is not about being cool. This is about abiding in the truth. And he goes on. You will know the truth. The truth will make you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants that have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. And that recognition again that Jesus is saying, when I speak, does that take root in you? When I say something, do you pick it up and decide this now belongs to me? This truth that you have spoken, this belongs to me. And I don't know a better way to say that or a stronger way to say that. That you and I, when we're in the Word, when we're reading, when we're studying, whether we're in an in-depth Bible study or we're just reading a chapter before we go to sleep and half our brain is already there, that we would actually say, Father, I want to keep remembering this stuff I just read. This belongs to me. If this is your truth, this is my truth. And I might have to grapple with it to understand how to apply it, there are so many things in Scripture that we will grapple for our whole life to understand better, apply deeper. It's okay as long as the movement is forward rather than, well, if I can't, and I've actually heard believers say this too, I can't understand this, so I quit. Wow. The God of the universe spoke, and you thought you would understand it all as soon as he said it. That's incredible pride, actually. That's incredible arrogance. So even as believers with the Holy Spirit to help us, because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach you to understand the things I've said, that we would recognize this is a lifelong journey. I want your words to have a place in me because I own them. And if they're hard to understand, that I own the journey of going into deeper understanding. This is not a reason to quit. This, this challenge to understand, this challenge to apply, this challenge to live the joyful truth that, that you're speaking to me, that's a reason to go deeper. That's actually a joyful reason to go. You promised your Holy Spirit to me. Let's get after it. You promised that your spirit would help me understand. Let's go deeper. So he continues on. He says, I speak the things, oh, did I say that? Yes, 37. I speak the things which I've seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. Drop down to verse 42, because he's challenging them now, who refuse him that their father is Satan. If God were your father, you would love me. 
For I proceed forth and have come from God, for I have not come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. And that recognition, I want to keep coming to him, I want to keep hearing, I want to keep acting. That for the true disciples, we get to say, if I struggle to understand, that's okay. It's the refusal to understand that is a death-dealing choice. And I, I said something a minute ago, but I want to go back to it. And I know all of you know this, but it's worth saying. This is joyful truth. This is truth that sets us free. So Jesus isn't like... Uh, an old school mom or, or a Catholic nun with a ruler, you know, fuck, do your homework. Learn your stuff. Be better today than you were yesterday. He's saying, I have blessing and joy for you. I have blessing and joy for you. Come get more. This is something personal for him. And, and, we, and we read in John 17 where Jesus said, Father, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that this flock of mine will have the oneness that you and I share. I'm praying that they will share the love that you and I share. I'm also praying that they would have the peace and the joy that you and I share. So that they would be free from all the weights and burdens of thinking like the world. They will still face everything the world faces. Everything that can happen to my unbelieving neighbor can happen to me. But if God allows it to happen to me, now it has joyful purpose for my transformation into his likeness. For me and for you, suffering is never just random chaos. And, and while we're living in this crazy world at a crazy time, and it might get worse, we still get to keep praying that it gets better. And I mean that. We get to keep praying that it gets better. Paul actually challenges us. Pray for those in leadership. Pray that they would have wisdom and a hand of God working in their life. Pray that they would have insight and understanding of how to rule for the peace of the gospel. We better be praying that. We get to pray that. And party has nothing to do with it. You get to pray for a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent or an atheist or a socialist or whatever, that the hand of God, just like through Nebuchadnezzar, through Cyrus, through Darius, through many kings through human history, God said, well, I'm going to work through them to accomplish something for my people. We truly get to pray for them. But if they say no to the heart and voice of God and things get worse, that we would recognize, Father, I'm not ready for that, but thank you that Jesus is ready for that. So I'm going to stick with him. I want to stay very close. I'm going to come to him. I'm going to hear him. And I'm going to want to follow him so that I'm not wandering away at a crucial moment of testing or suffering or trial. That I'm close when that moment hits. And I'm close because I stay there, not because I go, uh-oh, it looks like it's getting better. I better run and go get close. Now, if that's what it takes to get you close, God's okay with that. Literally, he'll say, I don't care what it took for you to come running to me. As long as it's true in your heart that you're running to me, welcome home. But we would be foolish to wait for that moment because there are no guarantees. 
Now, one of the things, I want to just draw a little diagram here, just to sort of make some of this visual in a different way. To just recognize Jesus is saying, I'm the true shepherd. I have true sheep. He's also warned us, there are false shepherds. And there are many voices that are not my own. But the true sheep hear my voice, they follow my voice, they act on what I said. This is the mark of true sheep. Now, there's also false sheep. And we're warned about that in Scripture too. And, and all you have to do is just pay attention. I started saying go on the internet, but don't waste your time. You already know it's there. You go on the internet, but you just listen in our culture and recognize there are plenty of people who claim to speak for God. There are plenty of people who claim to be Christians, use the title. There are plenty of people who use this book. And yet they're false shepherds because they're not pointing people to the true shepherd. They're pointing people to some version that's less than the true shepherd, sometimes radically different than the true shepherd. And yet they use the name. They claim the name. And we get to recognize there's a difference between false sheep because false sheep are listening to some false shepherd. True sheep listen, listen to the true shepherd. And now my caution, your caution, is I need to pay attention to his voice so that I don't inadvertently end up listening to and following a false shepherd. I also need to make sure that my choices are to hear and to follow and act so I don't inadvertently end up acting like one of the false sheep. I get to choose. I belong to the true shepherd. I want my choices, my actions, my attitudes to reflect the heart of his true sheep. So that when Jesus speaks, it changes something in me. When, when I read the word of God and I can see a difference between what the word of God describes and where I am today, that I don't give up. I do not accept the enemy condemning me or, or predicting that I'm, I'm doomed to fail in obedience. One of, one of the most frequent things I hear in counseling from believers who are discouraged is that prediction from the enemy. Well, dude, how long have you suffered with this sin? 27 years? 63 years? 14 years? Five months? How long have you struggled with this, this sin, daughter of God? Well, I think you're doomed to fail. And the enemy people whispering that to us, when Jesus says in Romans 8, and it is Jesus speaking, when Jesus says through Paul in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What it means is I get to keep growing. No matter how I've struggled, how I've faltered, how I've failed, how I've stumbled, if I am in Christ, I get to keep growing. 
So if there's anything in you, if there's anything in you believing that lie, that because you've struggled and you've not yet seen victory, because you've struggled and you've not yet seen something in you that overcomes that thing, that you refuse to believe the enemy when he says you're doomed to fail. Oh, you might still be a Christian. Someday when Jesus comes back, you'll still get saved. But here on the planet, you're just doomed to fail. In my five and a half years invested in the occult, that was one of the things that grew in my thinking, was that I was doomed to fail on planet Earth. And I was still going to go to heaven. I was still trusting in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But because of all the darkness I was involved in and my inability to pull away from it, I was trapped. That I believed the lie that here on planet Earth, the enemy owned me and I was doomed. And it was a lie. And God put the, put the proof to that lie by delivering me in about three minutes on a Saturday morning because somebody spoke the truth to me and somehow the Holy Spirit helped me say, that's true. <laughs> Jesus can rescue me right now by his life dwelling within me, that the very life of Jesus Christ is more powerful, not only than Satan, but more powerful than Satan and all his forces combined. And God rescued me in a moment. Now, I know I've said this before. I wish that in that moment, I had just, you know, somehow been able to magically lay every battle and struggle of the future on the line and said, that too, that too, that too. That's not how it works. God said, you know what? I rescued you. That authority of Satan over this, over your life and in these areas, that's broken. You owe him nothing. But now I'm going to keep calling you to grow. I broke your bondage. Now you are free. Free to grow. And so there's something in you that is not finished. There's something in me that is not finished. And because we come to him, we hear him, and we act on what he says, we get to agree, I am committed to keep growing. No matter how discouraged I've been, I am committed to keep growing. Jesus dwelling in me is my power for this. Well, next week, we are going to do something specific that, that takes what we looked at last week in terms of loving him as our first love and growing in that. And what we've looked at this week, that loving him means hearing and obeying, that I come to his word, I ponder his words, I receive and own his words, and then I act on them. And we're going to look next week at some things that we can do individually and that we can do together as a congregation. So that in the weeks and the months ahead, in 2021, which was supposed to be better than 2020, but on planet Earth, it might not be. But that for us, it's better. For us, it's better. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you that Jesus is the living Lord. Father, that we're not reading a book to find out old ideas that just pretty majestic, cool ideas from ancient wise people. This is the unbreakable, unending, never out of date truth spoken from a living God. And Father, you've said in your word that Jesus is the full revelation of God. We, we get to look at Jesus and fully see your love, fully see your grace, fully see your strength, fully see your holiness, your majestic greatness. We get to look at Jesus 
and see tenderness and welcome and warmth. We get to look at Jesus and see awesome judgment against unrepentant sin, to see authority and power against evil. We get to look at Jesus and recognize that he is, just like you said, he is the full and final revelation of God. And then we get to be amazed that you've invited us to come be one. That Jesus, you don't just show us how incredible you are. You invite us into your heart. You plant your heart in us. You make us one. And Father, I do pray that as we, as we ponder these things, I pray that we would, that we would actually ponder what you've said. That we would be willing to look at our life and ask what would grow, what would change, what would be different. Because I'm committed to love you as my first love. And then out of that love, I am committed to hear you. To search your word for your heart and your desires for me. To seek out wisdom to walk with you and obey you. Father, that your spirit would be helping us to ponder what would change? What would I do more? What would I do less? What would I throw away and stop? What would I pick up and begin running with? What's been weak that I would now strengthen? Father, that we would actually ponder with you what it looks like to grow in loving Jesus more deeply and hearing and following and acting on the voice of this good shepherd. Father, I thank you that you know us. You know how weak we are. You know everything that everybody in this room and everybody listening at home on Zoom, you know all the challenges of our life, Father, all the discouragements and, and setbacks. You know every area of temptation that every one of these sons and daughters of yours is facing. You know everything that's being spoken by other voices that is meant to distract us or discourage us or pull us away. But Father, I wanna thank you that, that this is true too that none of that intimidates you. That through Jesus Christ, your son, growing within us, you've provided everything we need to keep growing into the divine nature. And Father, that's hard to envision. And I, and I pray that your spirit would actually touch the hearts. If there are some in our, in our fellowship, again, at home or here in the room, that are discouraged in their walk, that feel doomed or disqualified or unable, that you would just very gently but strongly pick them up with the fresh truth that Jesus Christ equips us to grow. And nothing in our history can possibly disqualify us because those are the very things you poured out wrath on your son to forgive us for. They're done. They're removed from our account. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.